Alright, here we are. Episode 26. I have no fucking idea if any of this is going to even work. But <laughs> here we go. We've re-recorded whole episodes before. Yeah. So, pretty, we have. Good, good We're good at this. We have a special <laughs> guest. Yes, we do. Ian, which is the head brewer at Tributary Brewing. And you guys are Kittery, right? That's correct, yeah. Right. Kittery Point. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Thanks in. for bringing beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's kind of my MO. I roll everywhere with a couple of four packs. Yeah. The, uh, so, you got an interesting start into the brewing world. You got a little, little later in life than, I guess, most brewers nowadays. Of course, now kids are coming out of middle school drinking, but. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm not going to lie, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of where we all started. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. was it with a double IPA, that's for sure. Yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. You know, all the times people will be in the tap room and they'll say things like, well, you know, beer is an acquired taste. Everybody hates their first taste of beer. And I said, well, yeah, think about what beers we were having for our first tastes of beer. Now, like, think about what kids have options for yeah, right. these days. Like, probably. Lone brow. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think my first one was a Schlitz, and it was nasty. Yeah, it was, not it was great. just something that my buddy's father had in his garage, and we split a pounder. Yeah, the nastiest thing I've ever done. But yeah, yeah I, I grew up in St. Louis, and there's a pretty big brewery there, so yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure that was probably <laughs> the first <laughs> beers yeah, I had. No doubt. So, you know, from <clears throat> how old are you? I am 34. 34. So. What got you into breweries? So you went to college and then you got out. You we were just discussing a few minutes ago. You worked at the Apple Store. Yeah, yeah. So, so my uh, my first degree was uh, fine art, yep. which was super lucrative. Graduating in the middle of the Bush years, right at the uh, economic uh, depression. Yeah. Um, so uh, I started working for the Apple Store because I was uh, I knew how to work those computers yep. and I had the fine art background, but. Um, when I was in art school, I, for whatever reason, decided I was going to start baking bread and was playing around with that. And I had this one buddy from Oregon who said, hey, why don't you come homebrew with me a little bit? Yeah. So I did that with him, had a great time, really didn't know what was going on. And then a month later, he had a party and we drank the keg that we brewed. And <laughs> it was drinkable, but... yeah. yeah. I think anybody who's ever brewed a batch of beer and then drank it thinks it's the coolest thing that's ever happened. No doubt. I mean, it's it's like making it's like building something. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's a huge lesson in patience, especially those yeah. years when I was in my early twenties. You know, to make something and then wait a month to drink it. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, <laughs> come I on. Know. I don't know if I can handle this. So yeah. we can drink beer while we're making it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so then, uh, you know, life changes, moved up to Portland, Maine, and basically everybody in Portland uh, homebrews. And um, so I got really big into the scene up there. And uh, I reached out to a buddy, Tom Bull, uh, who at the time had a brewery called Bull Jagger, which has, he now has a brewery called Deerigo Brewing up in Biddeford. Yeah. But uh, I basically said, hey, man, can I mop your floors and uh, ask you, like, a question at the end of each day? And he goes, sure, man, come on down. And, you know, day one, he had me throwing hops in the kettle. Yeah. Um, so he's still a close friend of mine and was a great first mentor into the industry. Um, so then I bounced around at a couple of other breweries um, before I ended up at Tributary. I've been there for about four and a half years now. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately... 
most kids can't get into the industry the way I did. Yeah. Um, you kind of have to have a credential or experience at a brewery. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of how everything goes, though, right? I mean, everything starts out, it's, you know, grassroots. Yep. Fucking yeah. Cut your teeth the hard way, and then it's like, oh, now we have a school for this. I mean, it's just like, almost like computers were, right? You know? Exactly. Kids weren't going to school to, I mean, fuck, they have schools for fucking video games at this point. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's one of the things, like, the thing I noticed, like, with, you know, being around you and, you know, other brewers that I know is, like, it's still a tight community. Like, it's not a whole lot of cutthroat, like, dickhead, like, go fuck yourself, I'm selling beer here, like. Yeah, it's not like a gang, you know, there's not like a group of brewers over here that is, you know, you guys aren't fighting against each other, which is cool. Yeah. And And I learned that, I think it was this past maybe spring or maybe even before that, I read an article in the paper about like a Seacoast Brewers collaborative beer yep. that everybody got together. And I thought that was pretty cool because instead, I mean, competition is good, obviously, mm-hmm. but you guys are working together to, you know, for for the good of everybody, something that everybody can enjoy and talking about other people's beer and stuff like that. So, Yeah, yeah, we were a part of that brew. It was yeah. a fun day. Those, yeah. those collaborations are fun because kind of the head brewer, wherever you're at, does all the work and everyone else drinks and watches them <laughs> <laughs> brew. And you guys put all like your two cents in or whatever. But. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I always say nobody got into beer because they weren't a good social drinker. Yeah. So the, the whole industry kind of shows that this story i always like to say is when i was interning up there uh, at bull jagger we were right across the street from allagash it's where austin street now is yeah yep. so we were brewing one day and our pump broke down in the middle of a brew day and allagash sent over an engineer to help us get the pump up and running and finish out the brew day with yeah. us that's Most cool. industries, I feel like the guy across the street goes, oh, you broke down, we're running a sale. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, we have plenty. Uh, yeah. We're doing good. We'll yeah. sell you some of our beer. If you yeah. Uh, we'd all be so screwed if we ever stopped being friendly. I mean, I've got constant text threads on my phone for people, oh, do you have a pound of this? Do you have a bag of that? Um, yeah. We all share the same ingredients. We all share the same suppliers. So yeah. we're all, you know, forgetting to order things and needing to bail each other out. Well, I think, you know, I think ever since the, not necessarily like the small breweries, I mean, Maine's well, very well known countrywide, not even worldwide for being a fucking hell of a place to come to brew beer. But ever since it like started and, you know, places like Allagash, Allagash is kind of gone to this upper tier of almost like a Sam Adams where they, yeah. they're not really, I wouldn't call them like a local brewery. I mean, I know, started locally, I know a lot but... of the people there, like, yeah, you know, but they're not like tributaries, like a much smaller, like you guys fucking do everything, you know, fucking soup to nuts. It's, it's you guys doing it. It's not like calling in maintenance teams and fucking cranes and shit. It's like, it's, you're busting your balls for your fucking free yeah. beer. Yeah. But you know, ever since that stuff started it's been like oh it's the bubble's gonna burst and it's like you guys got such a fucking community of like dudes that love beer and you'll help each other like you guys are fucking fine like people are gonna drink beer yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) that is one constant there will always be beer drinkers i think you know that's never gonna change yeah i would joke about how the the one community that hated the concept of paper and coin money the most was brewers because we literally fucking made money up until that point in time (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah I uh, can't just trade this away very easily for goods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but when we go to the, our conferences, our industry conferences, the the thing that comes out is 
if you're little and local, you'll be fine. As long yeah. as you've got enough quality, yeah. you, you will be fine because you can live off a of local for a bit. You can also be big and distributing to like a whole region if you can do that. But anything in between is where you're really going to start to see the struggle. Yeah, and yeah. if you look around at any of the breweries that have really struggled or changed ownership or have had to close tap rooms, it's yeah. those breweries that are kind of like mid-regional size. Yeah, well, and I, but that's like, that's business, yeah. right? I mean, it really is. I mean, you got a small mom and pop, you work at a small yeah. mom and pop place. I mean, if they tried to go out and open three more stores, exactly. you're going to fucking cave yourselves. Yeah. And, I mean, and it's the same thing. It, I mean, you, you could look at any industry and see that. I mean, in the landscaping industry, which... I'm not a landscaper, but I deal with landscapers every day. There's a thin line between little and local, like you're saying, or little and making money. Or, I mean, that mid-range are the guys that you see changing ownership or selling out or just disappearing completely. And then you get into the big guys who you're either small or you're big right. to make money in this in, in the, that industry. <clears throat> yeah. And, and to last, that type of thing. One of the cool things I've read about... Uh, tributary was, and I didn't know this until I was reading an article last week about the Mott the Lesser release. Yeah, yeah, we just did that on Saturday. And uh, that you that they were voted like top ten brewery in the world at one point, or local craft brewery, or something like that. In I don't know if it was the country or, but it was. It seemed like a pretty big award to have. Yeah, yeah, it was. <coughs> I believe the year was two thousand seven, and yep. it was when my boss uh, Todd Mott, yep. um, who's kind of. Uh, infamous or legendary depending on how well you know him. <laughs> uh so he he first developed the harpoon ipa that was his okay. recipe originally and um that would have been when harpoon was like tributary size yeah, yeah. and um as he says that beer is a whole different beast now than the one he originally brewed yeah um but then he worked at portsmouth brewery for uh, a long time and really mm-hmm. helped build up their reputation and i think the year was 2007 um one of the uh, beer rating things called that beer the best beer in America, second best beer in the world. Um, and that was called Kate the Great at that point okay. in time. So when he left Portsmouth Brewery, he agreed that, hey, you guys can keep the name, but it's my recipe. I'm going to keep that. Yeah. And so his name being Todd Mott, the beer being uh Kate the Great, he now calls it Mott the Lesser, is kind yeah, of yeah. a tease to himself. <laughs> so we just did the 10th release of that on yeah. Saturday, and we had a really good turnout. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, we will sell out pretty much all of those bottles that day. Um, people start waiting in line at 7 a.m. I show up around 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pr- promptly drink one in front of everybody and eat a Lil's Donut. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess he kind of... But uh, the key to the city at that point. Yeah, yeah. He um, so he got a lot of nori- notoriety for that for both of those beers, and yeah. and he's got quite the following um, with him. It is a good beer. Um, we can only make it twice a year. It yeah. takes us uh, a little over five months to make that beer, and Holy half shit. of it goes into barrels, the other half doesn't, and then we blend it all back together. So right. it's a fairly labor intensive beer yeah. for us to make as well. That's a beer is. I mean. The more and more craft breweries, like, before I stopped drinking, I was starting to get into the IPAs and stuff like that. And the work that these guys put into this beer, and it's it's incredible. But So, a, a buddy of mine, or actually, it's a cousin of, somehow related, but he's been 
become known as Damon from Connecticut because I can't fucking remember how I did it, but he's from California, but <clears throat> he's a big wine guy, also a big beer guy, but he sent in a couple questions and asked, is there a beer you're sick of making? A beer I'm sick of making. Um, you know, I'm kind of sick of the IPA craze in general. Um, we don't really make one of these beers, but if you go to any bottle shop right now or any place that has a good beer selection, yeah. you're going to see probably 10 beers that call themselves IPA that all use, you know, uh, citric or citra, um, mosaic, uh, Amarillo, those like those yeah. three hops, and you're just gonna see it repeated over and over and over again. I'm just so tired of seeing those kinds of beers. So that was his next. Uh, it was a follow up question. What do you believe the next fad of craft beer? How hazy and New England IPA has been a fad for like two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I I joke about this. You go to the hardware store and ask for a recommendation. You're gonna take it. You know, you go to the restaurant and you ask for a recommendation. You're gonna take it. You go to a brewery and say to the brewer, what beer do you recommend? And they're going to say Pilsner. I don't care where you go or which yeah. brewery you talk to. They're going to say, I'm drinking a Pilsner right now. Yeah. They're going to say Pilsner. And then that customer goes, okay, I'll take an IPA. Yeah. We're like the only industry where they don't listen to the people that are making it. <laughs> yeah. But every brewer I know just is a total logger hound and loves drinking Pilsners. And I think eventually the market will come around. You know, this is America. Yeah. Something's good, we take it to twelve. Yeah. yeah. You know? And we'd OD be, on it. Yeah, right? we eat it until there's just until you can't tenderize that thing anymore. Exactly. So think about like beers like five, six years ago. It was how bitter can you go? Yeah. yeah. You know, and we had beers called like Pallet Wrecker and things like that. And beers claiming to have over the theoretical possible amount of bitterness in them and, yeah. and all that. So then the pendulum has kind of swung back, and now there's zero bitterness in any beer. It's just how, like, fruity can we get the yeah. hops. And we're pushing that, like, all the way to the extreme. And the goal of every beer style is to be balanced. And yeah. Pilsner has been the most popular beer in the world for about 180 years because it's pretty much about as balanced of a beer as you're going to get. And yeah. so once we kind of – all the noise settles <laughs> out, I think you're going to see a nice – it's like you mow the lawn. What do you want to drink? Right. You know, I don't want a 10% beer. I don't want something that's like Kool-Aid, Coca-Cola sweet. Yeah. I want just a nice, refreshing, low ABV beer. Yeah. You need a Coors Light. I mean, it's... That's Time it. and a place for every beer. Exactly. Yeah. Coors, exactly. Coors Light is a working on the truck beer. It's a mowing the lawn beer. It's just... You gotta drink I got a drink 30 of them. Yeah. I got a 30 pack and they're fucking 12 bucks. I don't care that I crush a fucking rack and... You know, a weekend. But totally. You know, I get people coming in the brewery all the time that want to hate on the big guys, you yeah. know? And I say, yeah, you know, I don't really enjoy their products that much either, but you got to have respect for them because their quality control and their consistency and their science is untouchable. And I'm thankful that their fans exist. Yeah. Because if they wanted to turn around and rip off a tributary pale ale, they could do it cheaper, better, <laughs> yeah. distribute out. Yeah. And they could totally just destroy us in an instant, but their fans wouldn't let them do that. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, no, no. We want, we want well, Budweiser you've back. You've seen like a little bit of those guys trying to like, play. Yeah, like Budweiser's come out with that copper lager. And, sure, sure. You know, and stuff like that where they're dancing with it. Just I think it's kind of just keeping people excited. Oh, well, I mean. And they're smart business people yeah. too because they're buying up breweries. Yeah. But they're not buying them up gangbusters. They'll buy like a brewery in a region 
And there's definitely breweries out there that want to get big enough and then sell out and yeah. do whatever. And so they've got like the illusion of like, hey, you get to a point like we might buy you out. And these people will just run themselves into the ground and never get to that point. And, and they don't need to. Yeah, well, it, or, or just not at all. Yeah, just yeah. They've eliminated themselves. And the breweries that they have picked up have been pretty smart acquisitions. I mean, I don't think... They didn't get to be those, like, cores, you know, Miller, uh, there are Miller cores and then Anheuser-Busch. They didn't get to be billion-dollar companies by being stupid with money, you know what I mean? You know, they've got more Harvard <laughs> business people on their yeah. team than we have on our entire team period yeah <laughs> so like i went my wife and my in-laws and i went to the budweiser brewery in Mer- merrimack new yep. hampshire and i forget the numbers but the amount of beer that gets distributed out of that place That's every insane. hour is diabolical you know it's truckloads an hour so when i was in beer school they were showing us the packaging line at uh golden colorado for yep. cores yeah and they were saying that that thing can put off two thousand cans a minute Jesus. yeah and they're probably can in 24 hours, you know, seven Three days sheets. a week. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you, you do you do the math out on that, and it's an insane amount. They said they have to use high-speed cameras to troubleshoot it because if something goes wrong, you just have no yeah, chance of ever telling what went wrong. That's well, when you guys get that big, my company, we specialize in industrial automation. We'll, we'll hook you up. Excellent, yeah. excellent, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's it's no joke that when those guys have a problem and spill beer, they can spill more beer in a little accident than, than, than we make. In, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, and they it's, just write it up. It's, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, but it's a puddle. Big deal. Let's keep it going. Let's fix it and move on. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Where a smaller brewery, it is a, it's a loss. Yeah, it's, yeah. it really is impressive, the what those breweries are capable yeah. of doing. They say the one in Golden is about as big as you can be because if you get any bigger than that... It's fucking huge. I've been massive. There. Yeah, yeah. They say that just the physical moving of people and goods from one side to another makes it on the other side of that, that curve. Yeah. That it, it, it's just, you're, beyond, you're too big to be efficient at yeah. that size. It's Even the one in, in uh, Merrimack, that's, it's not the size of the Coors Brewery, but it's big. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Those guys probably have thousand barrel fermenters going in there, and to put that in perspective, we're running fifteen barrel yeah. fermenters. <laughs> so, that's Allagash has got a couple of five hundreds, I believe. Yeah, and Allagash, I mean, for around here is that's a, that they got to be the biggest brewer in the state, right? I would assume. Uh, I don't know that number for sure. Um, but they're definitely up there because yeah. I think they're in. I think they're in like twenty or thirty states. Yeah, yeah. that they distribute out to. Um, I think Shipyard probably would have had had them beat, but Shipyard's not brewed in Maine anymore. Yeah. So. It's not. No, no. They tore down the brewery and they built a brew hotel. And I think there's a little brew pub in there that's making beer for on site. And I believe that they are contracting through Magic Cat now. Yes, Uh, they are. I might have those facts wrong, but yeah, I think that's where it's at. Uh, Um, Just went by there today. Yeah, so so that's the story with them. But they might they might have a bigger production volume. But I, I don't know those numbers for, sh- yeah. for sure. My boss goes to the guild meetings, and <laughs> they don't trust me with money or numbers like <laughs> yeah, that. You just make it, right? Yeah. What's yeah. <laughs> wrong with that? You know. What's the? Uh, what have you like just tossed in a beer and been like, holy fuck, that worked? Uh, actually, so we just packaged a beer yesterday. We brew this beer once a year. It's called Wild Thing, and it's a wild rice beer. It's a pale ale, but we've got wild rice in it. And my story that I always say is um, 
if I was just looking through a recipe book and I saw this recipe, I'd pass it right over and not even think twice about it. Yeah. But it's one of my favorite beers we make each year. It's kind of got a cherry pit, uh, marzipan, almond type character. And it just pairs with like all the hearty fall time foods yeah. like perfectly. Yeah, that's a good and that's one of those things, wild rice, I would just never put that in a beer. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not on my radar. I, I always tell people I'm one of the most liberal people you'll ever meet until it comes to beer, and then I'm very conservative. <laughs> it, it better be traditional German. Yeah. There's only four ingredients allowed in that beer. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's see, other wild things that we've put into beers. Um, well, we do the pumpkin beer that you're yeah. drinking right now. The pumpkin beer is delicious. Thank you. We got very good. we got a silver medal for that one a few years ago in one of our uh, one of the big industry um, events that we you do. Don't get two hundred pounds of Abe Zacharias's pumpkin. So, I mean, what the fuck? I don't think he grows the <laughs> Dickinsons that we yeah. use in there. <laughs> no, it's very good. And uh, let's see, we do a blueberry beer, but we keep it pretty conservative. We're not putting real wild things into beer. Yeah, and there's a lot of beers out there right now that. You, at least from my perspective, you can tell that the beer idea is coming coming from a marketing side, not a brewer side. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, we want to be able to say we put this candy in this beer. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what's that going to do to the beer? Yeah. And like, we don't know. We just we just can market and sell it this way. Yeah. I, I, like, I know the peanut beers, like the peanut butter beers are, are fairly popular. There's a lot of peanut butter stouts yeah. out there that are pretty good. Um, but there's oils and peanuts that just destroy the head on a beer. Right. So coming from a brewer's perspective, it's like, I don't want to put anything like that in a beer cause it's just, it's, it's going to make it not good. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to present <laughs> as well. Um, but I mean the whole industry is kind of getting upturned right now on what, what do we consider beer? You right. know, some of these beers have so much sugar and fruit put into them that, I would consider it more in line with like a Smirnoff Ice, Mike's Hard Lemonade, yeah. you know, and those yeah. flavor profiles, which are also malt-derived brewed brewed products. Um, the last beer I had before I quit drinking was a Natural Light Natter Day. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the grossest fucking beer I've ever it was just nasty. That's a good way to quit, though. I would say, you know, <laughs> it's not like I quit on a good IPA <laughs> yeah. or something like that. It's like you want to quit smoking cigarettes, get trashed, smoke yeah. like two packs, yeah. and then the next morning during your hangover, like a cigarette's yep. the last thing you ever <laughs> want. So, yeah, drinking a bunch of trash beer might, yep. might help you out there. Yeah. And uh, throughout my – when I turned 21, or I was drinking before, obviously, I, I could crush beer. I've always been able to drink beer fast, not chug it fast but i could just make it disappear and i could do it for hours and then i started getting into ipas and i learned you cannot do that yeah with, with ipas or high out abv beers without getting fucking hammered well quickly. and the, the abvs have drifted upwards yeah. yeah like when i was in college i can remember i had a roommate that loved molson triple x's yeah and yeah. it was like oh man that's a six percent beer like you get trashed on this beer it's six six percent's almost a low abv beer for yeah. a lot yeah. of the breweries that are out there now well it's like i remember maybe working for a landscaper around the age of 18 19 and getting bud ice oh yeah and fucking garbage like just right. terrible but it's like Ah, fuck it, the job's going to get done. But like you said, I mean, you got ABVs out there almost constantly flirting with double digits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, we're, we're guilty of that too. We definitely put out a lot of beers. We, we usually have something on that's over 8% at any point in time. Like when I would go to a, a place that had craft beer, my sense of taste is all screwed up. And it sure. essentially just doesn't work 
well at all. <laughs> so I would just look at the beer menu and find the one, no matter what it was, a stout or whatever, if it, the highest ABV, just pick that. Sure. And sometimes it was a good decision. And sometimes <laughs> it was very bad on the fact that I just got drunk quickly. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and that was, but it, I mean, like I went to, it was a, a big landscaping company that we deal with has a Christmas party every year for their vendors that they buy stuff off of. And it was at uh, the Black Birch at Kittery. Oh, that sounds like a terrible time. Oh, yeah. it was miserable. <laughs> and Must be rough. this is the first time I went there, and they don't have Bud Light or Coors Light. No, no, not else. at all. So you're drinking craft beer, and the guy's, and I'm, he's like, well, what do you normally drink? I'm like, trash beer, Bud yeah. Light and shit <laughs> like that. He goes, well, try this one. And, I, and he brought it over, and it was in a small glass. So I'm like the fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't want six ounces of beer give me give me 12 so i washed that down and i was like i'll just do another one of those and i kept doing that and by the end of it i looked at my boss i'm like i think there's a reason they only give you eight ounces of that fucking thing yeah i'm drunk it was like the first time i had shimei it was a similar thing it was like what suppliers are picking up the bill yeah. it's a job i was in college and it's like Somebody explained like, oh, the the different colored labels mean different things. I you know I could couldn't even point at Belgium on a map at that point in time, <laughs> and uh, got tanked on you know chimes. Yeah, I've done that before in Colorado actually. At a, we went to a restaurant that's all they served for beer was chimay. Oh wow! And I was out of <laughs> in place. Colorado really. Yeah, I believe it was. Did didn't you go there too at one point? Not a chimay place. No, I just went for margaritas. That place too. Fuck. Well, Colorado's got one of the best Belgian brewers in the world. The the guy's name's Peter Buchart, yep. and he used to be the head brewer at New Belgium. He's got his own place now, and uh, I've, I've met him a couple times. Tire, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, he's arguably one of the best brewers in the world, and he helped bring a lot of you know the Belgian beers to yeah. this country. Yeah. Um, That's the one. Like I've got um, I've got family in Germany and Belgium somewhere over there i don't really know but like just the amount of beer that they have there from like these you know century old breweries mm-hmm. and it's like man that history is you know pretty awesome and to see what you know a lot of breweries not not tributary i'm not trying to throw you guys under the bus but like there's some abortions out here. Oh, well, I'll be the first to say it, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm never a person. There's so much good beer out there that mm-hmm. I'd rather just focus on the stuff I like than the stuff I don't like. But there's certainly beer out there that I don't ever, you know, yeah, want to yeah, see exactly. again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I travel a shit ton for work, and which leads to me ending up mostly at breweries for lunch and dinner, which is good. But, like, the amount... It's funny to see different areas and what they're trying to experiment with and, like, how they're pushing stuff. Like, we went to one um, in upstate New York. It was rated the best IPA in the country. And I was like, oh, no shit. Okay, here we go. Cool. Like, and everything on their menu was good except their sour. Their sour beer was like someone was trying to fucking kick you in the teeth. And I'm yeah. like, what are you doing, man? Like... All your other, like, it's got to be, it's the way I am with, too, with, like, hot food. Mm-hmm. I love spicy food, but I don't want to not be able to taste for fuck, fucking six days. Yeah. Like, yeah. spice is a taste. Like, it's not a fucking, it's not the front fucking thing you need to feel. Yeah. It's still a flavor. Yeah. And the goal of every beer 
should be balance. Yeah. I mean, for most of so I do a, um, I do a talk for the UNH Brewers program on kind of like the history of German beer and, and like what German beer is. And I always tell them that the goal of every beer style is balance for most of at least European and Western human history. You couldn't drink water. Beer is all that you could drink and everybody drank it from birth to death, dusk till dawn. You brushed your teeth with it. It was yeah. what you had. And, you know, we're modern human beings. We grew up with Coca-Cola. We've got the highest tolerance <laughs> for sweetness yeah, that there yeah. there was. So you needed to have just kind of a balanced, neutral thing that you could drink all day. And every style was trying to get to that. So when you go too sour or too bitter or too roasted or yeah. just too much of anything, it's going to throw that whole balance out. And it can be, I mean, it's polarizing. Yeah. Some people love that stuff, but just as many people hate that stuff yeah. as yeah. well. Well, that's like, I mean, okay, I have a question. How the fuck has Guinness just done what Guinness does? Oh, they're insane. They're in, they're insane. Like, I mean, we talk about Coors Light and yeah. Budweiser. Fucking Guinness. I mean, so, okay, they've experimented with a Blondale, but fucking, let's just be frank, that's just shit they fucking accidentally spilt. I mean, <laughs> they've they've always overcome aversion. Like, Arthur Guinness was hated in his time because he was pro-Britain yeah. in Dublin in a time where that was... I mean, not that it's ever been cool to be, like, pro-Britain in Dublin, but, like, especially in the time he was. Yeah. Um, I believe that those guys also own a shipping company or something along those lines. But, so, you know, they've got a brewery on every continent. Yeah. And they keep the... the ba- Without getting too much into the nuances of brewing, their base grains, they just use whatever the local stuff is, and then they do all of their specialty malting in Dublin and then ship it out to all of those breweries. So that's why when you say, like, oh, Guinness is better in Ireland, or or, I was in Jamaica and the Guinness was different, they they are, because the the recipes are slightly different for they adapt that to the different areas that they're in. yeah they're i mean they've got a lot going for them they're a classic brewery that's been around forever yeah um they've got some of the best marketing in history regardless of industry yeah like the i mean beer and advertising because they were like invented together yeah yeah. Um, the first trademark is bass that red triangle the shit yep so it's just like the history of advertising and beer just they're undeniable things. Yeah. And Guinness dominated that, you know, real early on. Um, they've always been a light beer. Yeah. They've always been a dry beer. They've always been whatever all these little trends are that have come out. They've always been that, but they've also been their own thing yeah. as well. And I mean, like, it's just, it's, you know, you see some people, no one even really tries to really copy it. Like, <laughs> There's a lot of funny reasons for that. Mostly dealing that that Dublin has trash for water as far as breweries are concerned. So when you're learning about water chemistry in the beer world, they always talk about Dublin and then they talk about Pilsen in the Czech Republic. And basically they say stout could have only come out of Dublin and Pilsner could have only come out of the Czech Republic because of the kinds of water they have. (laughs) Um, When I was in beer school, the guy that was doing the water lecture said that he will always have an assistant brewer come up every few years saying that he wants to knock off a Guinness and do the water. And he goes, you know, Guinness doesn't even want the water that they have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, they've nailed it. Like, are you going to brew a better Guinness? Are you going to brew a better Irish dry stout than yeah. what those guys have? It, it's, it's tough. Yeah. But I mean, like you got like Coors and, 
Coors and Budweiser going head to head, you know, with the originals and the heavies and you know. Well, they also started at the same time. Yeah, true. Yeah. You know, like coming in now, it's like all right, Guinness has got like what two, three hundred years on you. Yeah. Like, all right, okay, I guess I'll try to go up against that. I guess we won't put triangle wheels on the car. We'll stick with the, the circle ones. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of think about it like uh, v- brewing vit beers around here. Like we brew a vit beer, and I like it. It's good. It sells well. Our customers like it. But when I go out to a restaurant and I'm feeling a vit beer, I'm going to order an Allagash. Yeah. Like, those guys have nailed that style. They get respect in Belgium for that style. Yeah. And, what, like, why would I want to try to compete against that when those guys have basically come up with the definition yeah. of it? And I feel like Guinness kind of has the same thing going. Now, I'll make other stouts and other porters and things like that. Yeah. Um, but they're going to be, you know, different flavor profiles and, and, and things like that. I love a good coffee stout. Coffee. Good to know. Bring your Armoca stout next time we make it. Coffee beer is just amazing. (laughs) Now, as far as the beers that you guys put out, how much control do you have over that now? Is your boss, Todd, is he involved in the, does he, do you guys get together at the beginning of the month and say, I want to try this and do you have like think labs or whatever? How does, how did, when somebody, when you guys decide you're going to make a new beer, what's the next step? How, you know, what do you guys do? So, by far, most of our recipes are my boss's. Yeah. Um, he's been brewing for about as long as we are old. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's really hard to come up with a style or a beer or an idea that he hasn't tried at some point in time, yeah. uh, which is really great because he's a perfect sounding board for, hey, let's try this, let's look into this. So, by far, most of the recipes are his. He's going to retire in a few years. He started this brewery. This is, I mean, this is his artist studio yeah. for him to make what he wants. With that being said, he's one of the most supportive people uh, I've ever worked with. And so if I come to him and say, hey, Todd, I want to brew this beer. I'm thinking about this. Sure, cool. Write up a recipe. I'll order the grain. Yeah. Um, so I've put through a few recipes. Um, I mostly do German styles. We yeah. just brewed one of mine this past week. It's a, uh, a Helles Bach, uh, which we call Hellator. Um, it's going to be about 7.2 ABV and... Uh, it's uh, a beer for the middle of winter, and yeah. it's traditionally the beer that monks would fast with um, yeah. back in the day. Now, Solid carb loading. Well, it is. And <laughs> the, the thing is, is that back in the day, they would make a beer that had the potential of being like 8% alcohol, but they would ferment it to like 1% alcohol. So all those carbohydrates and sugars would still be in there, yeah. and that's what they would fast with. It was literally liquid bread. Yeah. Modern day brewers go, well, man, if it's got the potential to be 7, 8% ABV, I'm going to let it go to 7, 8% ABV. Shit out of it. Watch this. (laughs) We're going to get idiots like Huey to fucking crush about 20 of these. (laughs) Watch it stagger out to the parking lot and get an Uber. Yeah. So there's three of us on production. It's my boss, his son, and myself. Um, His son uh, worked at Stoneface and Wormtown previously to here, so he's not, uh, you know, just. Uh, a new He's guy. Green, yeah. yeah, yeah, he he definitely knows his chops. And that's uh, cool. He didn't just like ride dad's coattails, you know. Oh no, he had to make mistakes at other breweries yeah. first, yeah. and then we brought him <laughs> in. Uh, but he's he's got a great taste in music, and uh, we we see he and I see almost more eye to eye on beer than my boss and I do, and we're very close. So. Yeah. Um, Woody and I are usually coming up to him saying, Hey, we want to make this German X, Y, and Z. It's usually yeah. German beers that he and I like to make. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we get a, a lot of say in it. And with that too, with my boss's recipes, um, 
everybody that works at the brewery is basically at one point in time or another said, Hey, this beer maybe could be a little drier or let's lower the ABV or whatever. And, um, it's a team environment yeah, in that yeah. way that we all get to work with it. And you guys, you guys keep like a, a solid rotation of like your normal, and then you just do like a, a specialty beer per, per season, or is it like? It's almost the other way around. We we always have pale ale available, yeah. and that's what, especially around here in like Kittery, York County, um, and down in uh, New Hampshire, you're gonna mostly see pale ale on tap at places, yeah. and then everything else is basically rotated seasonal um we've started doing like a pilsner rotation where we do a few different variations of those because mainly we just drink the shit out of these beers (laughs) we we love the pilsners if we brew a full batch half of it's getting drank by us um and then everything else is either going to be kind of a seasonal we try to keep something hoppy on we try to keep something dark on something big on something you know try to have the diversity yeah i always tell people coming in the tap room that if you like one of our beers on the list then i feel like we did our job i don't expect you to love everything but if there's one beer up there that you're enjoying then like great yeah Yeah. i mean that's kind of the life of a smaller brewery right you can't appease everybody Yeah. yeah and you want to put out something that well, for fuck's sakes, you like like yeah, you know, exactly. What gets I mean, tough? Everybody likes their own brand, so you mean you gotta. If you don't like it, then probably good chance not somebody else may not. Yeah, people may not like it. It's true. I mean, yes and no, because there's definitely not all of our beers are my favorite beers yeah. that we make, and some of the beers that I'm personally not as into. I have people pulling me aside being like, hey, man, this beer was killer. Like, I look forward to this beer every year. Which helps me out with it, too. Because it's like, all right, like, it still gives you, like, motivation. Like, this isn't really for me, but I know that these regulars are going to flip out when this beer comes. So a sense of reward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, you want to talk about feeling like a part of the community. Like, especially, I live right behind the brewery, so most of my neighbors are walking to the brewery all the time. Yeah. It's like I'm out grocery shopping, and there's people that know me through the brewery, yeah. whether they know my name or not. Yeah. Um, it, it's a good feeling. Yeah, no and, doubt. And brewers have always been kind of a staple of communities, and, and we have... Everybody likes the guy that makes alcohol. Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and we have all sorts of functions at the brewery. People yeah. rent it out for retirement parties and birthday parties, but we also have different like clubs and organizations that will come through and yep. and do things there. And it's, yeah. it's nice being that focal yeah, point of everything. You guys open at like 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays? Yeah. For the farmer's market that I get dragged to? Well, <laughs> we open up an hour early to sell yeah. to sell cans, but yeah. Like, uh, farmer's market. I'm like, son of a bitch, why aren't they open? <laughs> I just want to go drink. Yeah, and during shopping season, uh, we've got some big Black Friday plans. I can't really say what because I don't think they're official yet, but we get a fair amount of people that it's like, okay, you go shop at the outlets, and I'm going to go crank pints. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like a mobile beer truck. Yeah. Uh, so there's the food truck thing out there off of Route 1. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by, uh, no, no, no. no, no. In, uh, Kittery. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The police station. Yeah, yeah. Lost Coast, yeah. Uh, the uh, vintage thrift oddity type store uh has the food trucks going there during the summer we had a tent up and we were serving beer out there for the food trucks that's the way to go yeah so sweet yeah people must have loved that oh crushing those tacos out there and drinking a couple beers go so good together so good i don't know why corona (laughs) even exists yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, we got uh 
That's one of the. I was out in Green Bay, and I think I told you about it. There's a. They shut down the street for a farmers market, and there's a beer tent that like four local breweries come to, and they've got like, I think twenty five taps, and it's just you walk the farmers market, and then there's a beer tent. Like, yeah. I. It's like the most perfect thing I've ever seen in my life. Wisconsin has their beer scene on lockdown. For it, sure. And I and, I mean, fuck, dude, six eight years ago even like. Craft brewing was New England's thing. Like, yep. It, well, it was kind of Wisconsin's thing too. Yeah. Well, they had the major guys. Yeah. But even their craft beer is here. Like I was telling you about New Glarus when we were out hunting uh, yeah. a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um, they are one of the biggest breweries in the country. They're one of the best breweries in the world. They only distribute within Wisconsin. And it's like this like crazy thing. Like they're putting out numbers like a Budweiser brewery puts wow. out, but they only distribute within the within one state. The state. And everyone's like, how in the heck do you make that much beer and sell it within... I don't care what the state is. Like, that's yeah, insane. So they've, they've got a few breweries that are like that. I've been wanting to take a trip out there just to go uh, canoeing, cheese, and beer. Yeah. And they got good meat sticks out there. I'm sure they do. It's, it pairs great with cheese curds. How's the duck hunting out there? Did they get uh, a good flyover? I didn't really see any. Oh, hey. Hey, beer delivery. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dear. Welcome. Yeah, I mean, the Wisconsin... Wisconsin was interesting. There was... Where were we? Iowa. No craft beer in Iowa. Iowa was shit. Yeah. But I was also there in, like, 2010. Like... Also, there's probably 2,000 breweries there now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's really one of those things that, like... It seems like it started in, at least in this area, like the big guys that like kind of got notoriety were in Vermont. And then Maine just was like, all right, you had your fun. Fuck you. We're going to fucking dominate you now. Well, I feel like Maine is always this state that has everything else that the cool states have, but just doesn't talk about it. Yeah. Like I was like, like weed in California and Colorado. Everybody in the world knows there's weed in California and Colorado. They've also got yeah. Blackhawks flying over those places too. Yeah. Maine's always had like as good of a scene as those places, but we're just like, yeah. no, no, we don't. Yeah. Don't come no. here. Yeah, stay out. Yeah, our weed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and the, I feel like the beer was that way too. Yeah. I mean, Allagash was started in '95. A lot of the older breweries around here were started around that time. Back yeah. when it was the micro breweries right. were like well, the thing happening. You know, they were. A small brewery at one point. Now they're now they've sold out. But it, well, they sold out years ago. Years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Red Hook was a Seattle brewery. Okay, and well, so maybe I was just thinking of something. Different. Well, yeah. So it's a little confusing for people around here because yeah. they go, "Wait, Cisco? What is that? Like bought bought those guys out?" And what it is is uh, Craft Brewers Alliance is the parent company, okay. and that's Vidmer, Kona, Red Hook, and right. Cisco. I think that's all their labels. But they brew all of those labels out of all of their breweries in all the different regions. Okay. So they were always brewing, you know, those beers yeah. out of there. It's just a rebranding right. for, for what the building is. But uh, we, I know some of the guys that work over there, some of the best brewers around and, and just some smart people that are over there. Um, but, yeah, it was just a, a, a rebranding thing. Yeah, they uh... – it was – I never – I had no fucking clue Red Hook was ever tied to anything until – I think I was in Iowa, and I found Red Hook 
It was their copper hook, which they were only brewing on the West Coast. And I was like, where the fuck did this come from? Sure. Why, why can I not fucking get this? Yeah, I would have never known that. I thought it was just a New England thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they do, I mean, they do diverse, like all the big breweries or big companies that'll have breweries in multiple places will diversify out what's brewed wherever. Like, so in Merrimack, they brew Budweiser, but yeah. I don't remember everything they brew out there. But let's say they brew like Hurricane 40s, they brew. Bud Light, oh, yeah. and you know they'll brew like five or six labels or whatever out of there, and then St. Louis is doing another, and so they'll distribute it. There's logistics, yeah, involved. They were brewing at like at the end of the Budweiser tour. You go into this conference room, and they have a bunch of beers that you can try. Sure. And my father-in-law had like some beer that is brewed by Anheuser, but the first time he had it was at a Marine Corps base in Okinawa. Okay, yeah. So, and he's like, I haven't had that since I was in the Marine Corps. So we had sure. one of those, you know, and they're like, yeah, we brew it here. And, you know, we ship it all over the place. It's, it's, I just, try, I don't know if this is true or not, uh, but just this afternoon in the tap room, somebody was saying that Newcastle brown ales are being brewed by Lagunitas now for out here. Really? That's unconfirmed. I, I haven't looked into that at all. But That's probably like the first beer other than... Bud Light or Coors Light I ever had was like a Newcastle Brown Ale because I just wanted to seem more sophisticated than a <laughs> I used to love redneck. I used to love that beer. Yeah. I mean, I grew up watching and playing soccer. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Watching European League, Newcastle was a fucking huge sponsor yeah. over there. So I was like, fuck, I got to get myself some Newcastle. It was yeah. Newcastle and um, Carlsberg. Yeah. Carlsberg is fucking piss in a can. <laughs> It's yeah. like Heineken. Yeah. It's, it's Europe's version of Heineken. Yeah. Which, I guess Heineken comes from there, too. Yeah. The Carlsberg is fucking trash. I was so happy to finally try it, and then I was like, oh. And, and Carling. Yeah. I was like, I've literally waited, like, 12 years to be able to drink this, and this is terrible. Carlsberg is, uh, they've got, like, history, though. They were, they were the uh, first brewery to isolate the lager yeast strains, or, like, their scientists isolated yeah. in there. So the lager strain was originally called Saccharomyces Carlsbergus or something along oh, shit. those lines. Uh, they changed the name now to it, but that's where they first... They, they were involved in a lot of early, like, yeast science when Louis Pasteur was on the scene and There's doing so stuff. Science and brewing. Uh, so you, you've got an engineering background, you know, like the unit Jewel. Yeah. Uh, Jewel's father owned a brewery and all of his discoveries were trying to figure out how to make a brewery more efficient. No shit. Yep. Huh. Yeah. More science has come out of breweries than pretty much that any I other single do. industry. Well, I mean, you want to make the best beer you can, you might as well fucking hire a scientist yeah. to do it. Yeah. It's That's why it's fun. I mean... When you look at this industry right now, everybody's first degree is a mix of either like fine art. Like my <laughs> boss has a master's in ceramics and he's like a who's who in the beer world. Yeah. Or like chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a blend of both. And, and you kind of, if you go at it purely art, you can make good beer, but not great beer. If yeah. you go at it purely science, you can make good beer, but not great beer. But you got to blend both of them together. Yeah, you need have, the balance. You have like to have say, the, yeah. the both. Yeah, you know, the science the science is the science, but you got to add a little creativity to fucking differentiate yourself. Right? Yeah, and there's some just qualitative cool. things that you just can't put a number on. Yeah. That's you're you got a big beer break. That's uh <laughs> I've learned more about beer 
tonight that I have <laughs> just by listening to you. I know. When you guys said, hey, we want you to come on, I said, oh, most people want me to shut up about beer. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it's, it's sort of one of those things that, like, nobody really listens. Not that they don't listen, but it's just like, all right, I figure out what I would like to drink, and I'm just going to stick with that. I mean, there's obviously people out there that are, like, super nerdy about their beers. Sure. And, I mean, I, I work with a guy that has fucking taken home brewing to basically half of his profession. He's worked with a lot of a lot of the Portland breweries. They do a... I don't think there's one down here, but they do like a, a like a amateur pro. He, he did it with my buddies at Foulmouth, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like they do like a, a, am, a pro-am for fucking beer brewing, and then they have a beer off at the end of it. And like, oh, so cool. they were talking about, you know, he was, they, they wanted to do some sort of plum beer, but then the, apparently the plum extract was like super expensive and like yeah. this little vial of it was going to do like fucking 10,000 fucking cans of beer. And they're like, we're not going to do that much. Sure. Like, sure. <laughs> and so they, they aborted that idea, but like, you know, I, I feel like there's. I don't know. There's a lot of people that just like beer and really don't care to learn about it. Where like I like to see like what's what's behind I'm it. Those, I was one of those people. Yeah, well, I didn't give a shit about how it was made, or I just wanted to drink it. And yeah. that's the beauty of beer, and also the pain in the butt about being a brewer. It's because uh, like you can't unlearn things. Yeah. So it's really hard for me to sit and have a beer. And and I talk about this with my colleagues too. Yeah. It's hard for me to just sit and have a beer and not pick it apart. Yeah. Yeah. And say like, oh, well, it could be, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Whereas in, I would love to just show up at a buddy's house and he hands me a beer that I would consider gross. And I'm just like, glad to see you, bud. Let me chug that beer right yeah. now yeah. And, and have a good time. But that's always been the beauty of beer is that it's a blue collar drink. Right? Yep. It's yep. what you're all drinking around to shoot the shit with your buddies. But when it comes time to that Thanksgiving dinner, holiday dinner type thing, you can have that nice bottle and sit there and pick it apart like it's a wine or a cognac yep. or, you know, yeah. or whatever it needs to be. Um, we love that we're not wine in, yeah, yeah. in many ways. But we also, like, look up to those guys, too. But wine doesn't play that balance, at least not in our culture. I'm sure right. if we were, like, French or Italian, yeah, it's, it, it might be more like that. But um, it's cool that beer can be that we're enjoying the same beer and you're thinking about it and you're not thinking about it, but we're all just enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you look at – so how's the – this is completely fucking separate. I ended up here, but, like – What's the seltzer market doing to you guys? Oh, man. So we get asked. Besides giving fucking you headaches by how many people ask you, when are you going to brew a seltzer? (laughs) Not as many people ask me that as CBD beer. Yeah. Which my answer is smoke a joint and drink a beer. It's been working for most of us for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) No, it makes sense. Um, But the seltzer, I mean, I look at it this. I don't think they were ever our customers. Yeah. It's not like somebody's like, if, like you, like Gary, you're into craft beer. You grew up drinking PBR and Natty Ices and Budweiser's and, and then went to Guinness's and Newcastle's. Yeah. And then you started drinking probably Belgian beers and IPAs and now you enjoy craft beers. Yeah. That's probably most people of our age or, or older's like beer drinking like history. Yeah. It's not like all of a sudden you've like, enjoyed filet mignon and then you're like 
I'm a hard hot dog guy now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hot dog's my favorite meat. Yeah. You know, and like, I'm sure that there's people that enjoy both. Yeah. And if those people enjoy both, then we're going to still have them. But I feel like their main market, you guys are cool that I'm just going to like run yeah, beers yeah, this yeah, whole yeah. time, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't think that they're our market. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I crush it truly. I fucking love Trulies, but they have a place like golf course, golf course, truly. Let's go. I've never actually had one. Uh, Neither have I. I will tell you the only thing I am against only on principle is the hard still water. That's just watered down vodka. I'm sorry. Yeah. It exists. I was at really? a festival uh, about a month ago. And I was pissed because it was one of the first weeks of duck season, and I was yeah. there instead of yeah, uh, you were. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we were texting about yeah. it. You're like, did I just hear you shooting? I was like, I wish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm hating my life right now. Yeah, and because uh, everybody wants to hear you bitching about being at a beer fest. Yeah. Um, but there was a hard still water, and my sister had told me that she was at a party recently, and somebody had given her one, and I was like, oh, are you sure? And then I saw this booth. And I really wanted to go up and say, isn't this just watered-down vodka? Yeah. Like, at what point does it become hard still water from just vodka? Well, and I'm also just tired. Well, this is like the another American thing. Foods that taste like foods that they aren't. Well, like tofu? Well, just anything. Like, go look at potato chips. Like, how many potato chips are, you know, flavored like something other than a potato chip? Macaroni and cheese, potato chips. Or, or, all, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Their fucking place in well, I'm not saying they're bad, but just <laughs> all of those things. So, yeah. so like, why do you need to have a like alcoholic version of this thing or that thing? Why do you need to? It's it's a strange thing that we keep trying to make these gimmicky. different products yeah. out of like, oh, it's a beer, but it's actually a lemonade. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like I mean, you you can get into that some with like the stouts, like a coffee stout, like oh. You can fucking drink a coffee. Sure. This is a beer. Well, I think there's a difference between finding a nuance in a flavor. Like, oh, this stout, I get like chocolate and some earthy and some coffee tones in this. Versus like, let's make it taste exactly like a Dunkin's coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, they came out with a beer, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did, yeah, yeah. Um, With... I think it was with Harpoon. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's right, yeah. Um, But I mean, that's like with the pumpkin beers, too. You know, some yeah. of, like our pumpkin beer, are, it's funny when I go out in the tap room, the tap room staff goes, it's a beer flavored, it's a beer forward beer. Yeah. I'm like, well, of course it's a beer forward beer. But a lot of them taste like a Starbucks pumpkin spice thing. Yeah. yeah. That's out there. And it's like, well, it doesn't taste like, a, do you want one that tastes like a beer that has some pumpkin nuance? Or do you want something that tastes like a pumpkin spice latte? Yeah. What? I actually, I had a pumpkin beer from someone, I forget what brewery it was. I was out in Lebanon, New Hampshire today when I stopped for lunch and definitely wasn't still on the clock and drinking. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, but it, like the girl asked me, she's like, do you want a cinnamon sugar rim? I was like, what? Were you fucking? No. And she was like, oh really? I was like, A, cinnamon sugar don't go in beer and B, do you know what that does to this fucking facial man? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't get like I can't eat soup. Like, yeah. <laughs> there is a list of things that I will not eat in public. Being a big bearded person, you yeah. know, it's like uh, hot wings on the bone. That's uh, I'm at home eating those. Yeah, yeah. It's ice cream cones. That's ice private cream. consumption. Ice cream is terrible, and my kids want to go get it all summer. And yeah. Like, oh, let's go to Dunn's. I'm like, oh, sick! I get to 
fucking massacre my beard in front of 400 fucking yeah. assholes. I'm standing in a corner saying don't look at me the <laughs> yeah. whole time. <laughs> yep. Pro tip, just go for the fraps. Yeah, yeah, anything with the straw is yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a question that just left my head. But All right, so what do you like to do other than drink beer and make beer? Uh, so I like hunting and fishing. Yep. Um, definitely like to go after the birds. Um, I was telling you guys, I think before we were on yep. air, I'm getting ready to go up to Jackman for an upland trip for the next couple days. Nice. Looking forward to that. Got a new, uh, got a new tobacco pipe and a nice bottle of scotch. Got a, you guys know that scotch is going up in price? You heard about really? this? 30% new, uh, luxury taxes or whatnot. Just scotch? Well, other like luxury items, but scotch is the only one I buy. So that means my $60 bottle is going to be a $90 bottle here really soon. Jesus, I did not know that. So I just dropped $70 on a bottle of Lagavulin, which will basically be unobtainable for me ever yep. again, uh, at least if these taxes stick around. Son so buy your scotches now. And that's is just that because the, it's, is that that's because import? of import, right? Because yeah, scotch, yeah, scotch, yeah. Scotch. It's gonna. I don't know the exact details, but yeah. I, the number I've heard is 30% increase. I know lobsters go to China went up like 30% or maybe even more because of tariffs and stuff. Um, uh, I, you know, understanding that there's always rich elitists in power no matter <coughs> what parties they're saying they're a part of, I'm pretty sure they're going to realize that they are taxing the 1% with this, and I'm not worried about this one sticking around for too long. <laughs> Once they realize that they're, they, that they're screwing themselves, they'll go back to taxing necessities again. Talking about expensive, <laughs> like, booze or bourbon or whatever, I was in North Carolina not too long ago at a place for lunch. Actually, no, it wasn't lunch. I went there for, uh, for their wing night, and um, they had... A bottle of Pappy Van Winkle sure. on the shelf, and they sell it for two hundred fifty dollars for a shot, mm -hmm. and you know for somebody to sip. So and you, I, you crushed two of them? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to a guy that was sitting next to me, and he's like, "I'm surprised a bourbon place like this doesn't have Pappy Van Winkle." And the bartender's like, "We do. It's way up there on yeah. the top shelf." Sure. Did you have you had it? I've never had it. No. Have you had it? No. I have. Is it good? It's good. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, like, we were talking about heady toppers before, yeah. too, you know, it's one of those things that's got this, like, mythology before it, yeah. that it could never be as good as the hype of it is. Like, it's very good. It's like yeah. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> All right. It's very good, but it could never be as good as what people make it yeah. up to be. Yeah. Um, I've got a bug up my nose about any whiskey that isn't Scottish whiskey, A, because I'm, uh, I got family in Scotland, and I'm a proud curmudgeon Scot, but... Yeah. Scotland's the only whiskey in the world where you can't lie on your label, whereas in the words on the label mean something. In America and Canada and Ireland, you can say, oh, it's this distillery and it doesn't exist. Yeah. I think there's like three or four distilleries in Ireland that like most of the stuff is coming out of. Yeah. And it's this distillery that there's no Pappy Van Winkle distillery. Yeah. It's coming out of other places. In Scotland, that would never fly. If yeah. it says it's this distillery, then that is a physical brick-and-mortar place you could go to. If it says single malt, that doesn't mean that they used one kind of grain in it. That means that it's all <coughs> barrels blended from that distillery. Yeah. And so the words on the labels actually mean something. Everywhere else it could be... It's like all the bourbons. I know yeah. that they lost the Appalachian Control Leaf to 
call it <laughs> bourbon in Kentucky in like the 60s yeah. or 70s. Yeah. And we've got friends that make bourbon up here. Yeah. I call it bourbon style American whiskey. You yeah. should call it bourbon when it's down there. I think that stuff's important. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, you're smart about whiskey too. Jesus Christ. Beer, whiskey. I fall off really hard after that. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just stick to one pretty much. Yeah, I see that you've got a favorite around here. Yeah. Yeah. The half gallon of Jack has treated me real good for many years. Many it's years. got its time and its place. It's it's a go to. There's nicer stuff in there. Most of it's from Jack. Is that your daily drinker? Like, is that your benchmark that you would measure all other whiskeys to? No. So, that's like a... It's, it, 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 it Jack's is, your mix of a cocktail. Yeah, that's Jack, what Jack yeah. and ginger. It's, it's, it's your house whiskey. Yeah, that's what's happening. Well, not anymore. I, I ran out, so I'm now drinking Gentleman's, which is a little higher class than I probably should be mixing, but <laughs> still mixing it with ginger ale. And, yeah. Going trick-or-treating last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, my neighborhood, you got to take out a small business loan to afford the candy yeah, for my you're neighborhood. you're in a bad place. Oh, because I... In the village? I am. Uh, I am. Boy. So it's all for those that aren't around here. I live in a former Navy housing uh, neighborhood that is mostly duplexes, so the kids are getting two for one. Yeah. I got off work at, like, 4.30 yesterday, and my neighborhood was already swamped. I just grabbed the dog, and we're like, we're going to the woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're, we're gonna to shut down all the lights. We're getting the out. It's like well, that South Park episode where they've all got the e-scooters. It's like, oh god! Like, maybe if I put on a costume, I can get candy and pass out halves for a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we go to Winterbrook. We live in the, we live in an area that's not very conducive to trick or treating, mainly because people are doing like seventy in front of my house every day. But. So we go to Winterbrook, which is just in York. I mean, growing up in York, that was that was the that neighborhood was the spot. And those fucking poor people. I mean, a lot of them now. There's probably thirty percent of the houses are dark and empty. Like, I mean, you got it. Yeah. Those are the people that moved here in the past five, ten years. Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing. Like, I told my wife. I said, when we buy a house, that's on my checklist. Is like make sure that nobody could come to a trick or treat because <laughs> oh. I don't. I I will take my kids trick or treating when the time comes, but I don't want to be have to be at the house handing out candy. I'm conflicted because at the same time, Halloween is my favorite holiday. Like, I've been petitioning to get rid of Christmas for a second Halloween <laughs> for years now. I'm on board there as long as you don't fuck with Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, I'm not super into Thanksgiving food, but I don't got to touch it. It doesn't hurt me. Yeah. See, I just, I like the, I just, Thanksgiving, the only thing you're there to do is fucking devour food, drink beer, and watch football. I'd be hotter on Thanksgiving if I'd gotten a turkey uh, this fall. But uh, I, I saw a new one last night. I, I saw it. Ran it over. You shoot five of them in the fall. Oh, I know, man. I sat out on my buddy. My buddy's got a farm in Kittery and says I can go out there hunting. I saw the turkeys. I saw all the sign. I've got him telling me where they come from and where they go. I sat out there for I don't know how many days. I saw geese. I saw coyotes. I saw <laughs> deer. I saw mallards. Man, I had a sh- I had a chance at mallards. When I was turkey hunting, yeah. sitting out in the middle of a field, everything but turkeys. Yeah. And the thing about turkey hunting that sucks is that everybody around here goes, oh, you can come show it in my front yard. Yeah. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And I go, okay, cool. As long as you're cool with a bunch of camouflage dudes shooting guns in your front yard and your homeowners yeah. association, I'll come shoot that turkey. Yeah. yeah, we're good. I mean, we get them around. We get them that come. Normally we feed the, we have bird feeders out. 
and the bill comes stand right here. It's amazing how they have memorized tax maps and hunting yeah. laws. Yeah. Because you'll see them on Sundays <laughs> and you'll see them on private property. Yeah. Deer but, have done it too. Oh. Deer have been doing it for years. Yeah. That's who taught the turkeys. It's, They're like, just follow us. You go out of the lawn, there's a bird feeder over there. We're going to sit in the woods and eat, eat the deer food they put out for yeah. us. And watch all these guys in orange vests stare at us. <laughs> exactly. they can't do shit. Exactly. I called in, so I was doing some field hunting for geese, like, right when the season opened up. And we had a couple, of, like, flocks come over us. And, you know, we look like we're in Vietnam. We're all camoed out, yeah. like, in, like, thicker brush than we need to be. They come right over us and then go land between a road and a house. And it's just like, well, of yeah. course you did. <laughs> One of the biggest spots around here is in Elliott. They sit on the middle school. Oh, yeah. uh, so I saw Steve in the tap room yesterday, and we were oh, talking. Yeah. And we were talking about getting a coyote uh, decoy to just put out there in that field. Yeah, <laughs> yep. just a couple of them out there to keep them out that field. But yeah, they know it. Like, oh, where's the last place that uh, people want to see armed dudes? Yeah. The middle school yeah, they, field. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> we'll just go right or there. right across the street from it, which is and there's a house behind it, which uh, is still out of. Out of reach. We were still too close to the school. I was so frustrating last year when we'd be sitting out there in Cochico and we'd see him fly over and then we would yeah. drive home and see him all sitting out in that field. Yeah. Like, of course they're all yeah. here. Yeah. All right. Well. That when we used to hunt HQ, you know, yeah. that we'd, you'd leave the property and then you'd go over this bridge and the deer, the ducks would sit on the other side of the bridge and just sit there and feed or just, you know, rest. And every time I'd go, I'd leave because I'd be going to work before these guys. I'd honk the horn, try to kick up the birds to fly them towards Yeah. Me. Good for sometimes you. Sometimes it would work. Sometimes it wouldn't. It's like the other day I was driving to see a friend in Summersworth. And I uh, looked over. There's this farm with the stream going through that's obviously like private access to get to it. And yeah. I swear there's probably 200 ducks sitting out there in the middle of this like leg of the water. Yeah. yeah. I, I like almost drove my truck off the road. I was like, whoa, oh, there they all are. Yeah. Like every duck in New England is sitting right there right now. It's bad. It's, it's, we're start. I'm finally starting to see some, there's some black ducks showing up right now. So. Are the woodies out yet? I don't know. I haven't hunted since two weeks ago. I think I'm going to hunt tomorrow morning. My buddy said he got one yesterday. Yeah. Right? Is that whenever the season just reopened? Yesterday. Yeah. So he got one yesterday, but it dove. Never, yeah. never found it. I was talking to a buddy of mine who was a big archery hunter around here, and the deer that he shot in expanded archery this year, the buck he had had on camera for like two or three years. Oh, it was really? Getting bigger and bigger, and then it disappeared. And this year was he was like this was going to be the year that I was going to shoot it, but I haven't seen it all season. I didn't see it at the end of last year, so he figured he wrote it off. And then one day he was sitting in his tree stand and walked right in front of him. That's the one he got. Oh, that's an amazing but, story. Yeah. But he was like, I just, I, we had all but just written it off because he didn't show up. But that just shows how fucking smart they are. Yeah. You know, to, they don't get to be big deer by being dumb. All you, you know gotta I mean? do is slow that bullet down to about 55 and put fucking <laughs> headlights yeah. on the board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've hit walk fucking right in deer. Front of it. I've hit more deer than most people I know have killed. Yeah. <laughs> With the exception of two people that hunt around here that are very successful hunters. New Phipps? Nope. <laughs> Philbrick and Steven. Yep. Those are two guys that fucking always shoot deer. 
But everyone else, I've fucking hit, I think I've hit, I don't know, upwards of 15 deer. And just fucking murder them in my truck and keep fucking going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, your truck can handle that. <laughs> yeah. I took, uh, actually, the first day Steve and I went out hunting together, ever. He shows up here, boat's hooked up, we fucking pull out, go not even fucking 500 yards, hit a deer. Oh. And I'm like, he's like, is this how this is starting? I'm like, oh, fuck, I guess so, bud. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is a shit show. I've only ever hit, uh, I'm going to like jinx myself right here. Only ever hit one deer. I was a Johnny Sergeant. We were in high school. It was like this Fawn's first step in life. <laughs> oh, we were in no. his Jetta and it was, it was difficult for both of us. I don't think we talked for like a solid hour afterwards, but not going to wood. That's, that's my only, uh, my only deer encounter I've had so far. I didn't hit a deer. I didn't hit this deer, but I was on my way home from work. It was, I think late February last year and it was fucking freezing and I noticed cars pulled off to the side of the road and then i realized that there's a deer that has been hit laying in the middle of the road so i pull over because i'm like well fuck it i'll see if i can at least get the deer (laughs) yeah 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 exactly so the deer ends up getting spooked by the vehicles going by so it, it drags itself across the road onto somebody's lawn cop shows up there's a lady that gets out of her car runs across two lanes of traffic to me she's like can we help the deer? I'm like, no, the cops are on their way. Well, the cops going to like, do, like pick it up and take it somewhere. I'm like, no, not exactly. Like, yeah. Bo- a a <laughs> so, butcher. Those back straps are looking good. <laughs> so the, the cops. And at this point, there's another guy there. He's like, I got a pipe in the back of my truck. I could, <laughs> I could just hit it in the back of the head. I'm at like, least something I, like I had like the thickest main <laughs> accent yeah, ever. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but I'm like, well, I've got a, I've got a, my pistol on me I could shoot it but the cop's on his way so we'll just let him deal with it yeah 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 so the lady's still standing there at this point and she's like I just want to go over there and make sure it's okay I'm like stay away from the deer yeah yeah that don't, don't you're not you gonna help it it'll slice you wide open so the cop shows up she's like what's a, what's a cop gonna do shoot and I'm it. like you'll see <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking all of a sudden it's bam and she's like oh my god <laughs> Runs back across the road, gets in her car, and the cop walks up. He's like, all right, who wants it? I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was... the, I hit one in my 84 right after I bought it and stove up the fucking whole radiator. Truck was done. Called a buddy. He came to pick it up. And his father, the lovely man that he is, pulls up, and the cop's standing right next to me, and we're talking about it, and cop starts walking away to go shoot the deer and jack looks at me and goes huh that's good mark doing 35 huh like, <laughs> you motherfucker <laughs> i was like yep yep locked him up hard i was like you know 84 old 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 brakes in the rear he goes yeah those are front tires don't even fuck with me <laughs> like, you're fine but I, i'll give south Burke pd that guy's a fucking shot i've had a of the, of the, all the deer I've hit, I've only had to have two dispatched. One took five shots. Oh, Jesus. From Ooh. from the cop? From the cop. Oh, Jesus. Oh, they're bad. They, they, they missed a lot. This fucking South Berwick cop. Five? I swear to God, he was fucking white line across the road. Like, full two lanes in front of him. Uh, across. The deer was down in the ditch on the other side, fucking pretty mangled. I did a pretty good job. But he was standing on the white line on the opposite side of the street, just pulled up, wham, one to the dome, fucking done. I was like, 
Holy that's what this shit. guy did. Wow. In I can't believe five though. Yeah, I five feel like bad. like a like a thirteen year old with a twenty two can still get it done quicker than that. Yeah, I almost asked him if he just wanted to take the shotgun out and just fucking give him one with that because good five. Yeah, last year when my last Veterans Day, my father in law hunted all day. Gets <laughs> gets almost to or gets out of South Berwick into Berwick on Route Four, and uh, the car in front of him hits a buck. Runs in the ditch, broken legs. <clears throat> cop shows up, and he had to shoot it six times. And the cops hold the gun. Like at this point, I'm there, and he's holding the gun to shoot it one more time, and his hands shaking. And I'm like, I didn't say anything, but the guy who lived across the street, some old mater, was like, <laughs> "Need me to do that, bud?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the cops like, "No, I got it." Some young, I mean, yeah, he probably hadn't been on the police department very long. Sure, sure. One of the other guys that was there went to high school with him, so he was probably his first. And then, then there's five hunters standing around him, just yeah, mouth watering <laughs> to take this deer. Yeah. Oh, so it's like the other side of uh, you know. Normally, there's a lot of stories about armed cops in the uh, news cycle these yeah, days, yeah. and it's funny to see the other side where the uh, armedness is warranted. <laughs> yeah, and, and and they're complete. You know, Sally's about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's... And you'd think around here, like, that's that's really the only reason you're pulling your gun out. I you mean, you hear guns... I mean, we, like, we've all spent enough time in Maine or growing up in Maine, you hear guns. I mean, it's, somebody's having deer for dinner. That's yeah. what that means. Or ducks, you know. I mean... With that being said, it's still, I mean, with anything, a duck, it, it, it's still a hell of a thing to, to stop a beaten heart. Oh, well, absolutely. Yeah. Like, not, not trying yeah, to take away from yeah. that, but... Uh, just more of the uncomfortableness with a firearm and <laughs> yeah. I was I was at an old uh, this guy I knew I became really good friends with his grandfather, who was this old manor that sat and smoked cigarettes in his basement all day. He drank a thirty pack a day and three cartons a week. It was his normal. That's and his he, allowance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he would sit on his wood splitter in his basement and just do that all day. And I was over there, I was skipping I was skipping school, and I was over there sitting with him, and his wife yelled down the stairs and said, there's a raccoon running through the backyard, shoot it! <laughs> and he goes, take that shotgun, go out there and shoot that raccoon. <laughs> so I, I take the shotgun, it's a... Oh, he's telling sh- you to do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I take the so- shotgun, I break it open, it's got one in the chamber, it... It's an old 20-gauge single shot, and it's just, it's loose. I'm like, I don't know, this this thing's probably going to blow up my face. So I take my first shot, and a tree explodes over here. <laughs> I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> so I walk back in. He's got a box of shells. It took me six shots to kill this raccoon with this rifle. Oh, man. And it was rabid and nasty, and it needed to die, but I was like, I wish I could have just done it one. My but. dog treed two raccoons <coughs> a couple of weeks ago. Like, I, I went to let him out, just like normal backyard yeah, action. Yeah. I saw that some had gotten in the trash, like, a couple days before, and I let him out, and he takes off like a bat out of hell. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I go, there's two raccoons sitting up in a tree, and he's just flipping out at yeah. the bottom. I was like, oh, all right, good boy. Like, yeah, that's, we, my, my lab diesels treed a couple out back here, and it's every time, like, with kids and guns, it's like, it's such a delicate balance. Like, yeah. I like to have guns <laughs> very readily available. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, but it's like 22, like, I can't just leave, I mean, 
I can't leave it around the house. I can't leave it around the kids. It's like, okay, so now they've got to be put away. Yeah. But then fucking the dog tree's a fucking coon, and I'm like, okay, well, that raccoon could get my chickens. Well, fuck. Now i got to run back in the house, go upstairs, get to the safe, fucking get the gun out. And I'm like, I'm not leaving the dog out there with a fucking tree raccoon, because if the coon comes down and attacks the dog, it's not good. Yeah. So, fucking that coon got away, but then he got a chicken. Then we trapped him, and he's no longer with us. Well, I was duck hunting with Garrett's father one time, and we were at this place I mentioned earlier that we called H Cubed. I was with you. With the coyote? Yeah. Okay. I thought you weren't there. I thought... I remember I sitting there, because I remember the old man that owns a place across the river yeah. was not happy we did not take yeah. care of that. <laughs> so, we're sitting there, we've got ducks swimming up the, up the river, and... Then I look across, and a coyote is coming down the bank opposite of us yeah. towards the docks. And, I mean, we're hunting a creek that is no more than 25 feet across. Yeah. Okay. And so it's he's low like, tide. He's 35 feet from us. Sure. And I'm like, I'm in, I've got my dog next to me, and I'm like, I'm going to shoot this fucking thing if it comes any closer. And his father's like... Would you 12? Yeah, and yeah. 12 with number three, which <laughs> yeah. I shoot in the face. It's probably not going to live. Yeah. I'll just run off. Um so, I'm like, I'm going to shoot this fucking thing if it comes any closer, because now my dog's seen it, and right. he's like, ooh, another dog. Yeah. And he, his father's like, don't shoot it, you'll scare the birds. And then luckily the coyote just went, saundered back up the bank, and yeah. we were able to get the birds anyways. But I told the guy who owned the property across across the river from us, and he's like, if you ever see a coyote out there, you shoot that fucking thing no <laughs> yeah. matter what. Yeah, people <laughs> hate right. those things. I just read a book about coyotes uh, a couple months ago, and it was one of the best books I've read in a long time. I, yeah, I don't have any problem anybody wants to hunt them. I think, sure, yeah. fine. But uh, all the excuses people give for hunting them are really unwarranted. They're not really taking out livestock. I mean, you know what they eat is turkeys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're eating the turkeys. Like, I was talking to this, he's passed away now, there's an old farmer in Elliott, Hayfields, and that's, and he had dairy cows at one point, but he got out of that, and then he just hayed, he had acres and acres and acres of hayfields. Yeah. And he knew how much every single bale cost him to bale every year. Sure. He was that, that type of guy. And I asked him about deer hunting there, and he said, yep, no problem, um, these are the rules. Don't shoot the coyotes. Shoot as many turkeys as you want. Yeah. And kill all the gophers. Cool. Uh, and no archery hunting. Yeah, they hate that because, so, uh, because it, it the screws arrows. up their equipment. Yeah. Yeah, big and, time. Uh, well, he had uh, an arrow go through a round bale and it actually killed one of his cows because they got the broadhead. Yeah, I've heard these stories. And uh, I was like, so how come no coyotes? He goes, they kill the turkeys and the gophers. It's true. And... I was like, all right, makes sense. So. So one of the big takeaways I got from this book was uh, at Lewis and Clark time, coyotes were really only the southwest, absolutely only west of the Mississippi. Yeah. Because we tried to get rid of them, they're in 49 states now. Hawaii's the only one they're not in. And yeah. in northern Maine, they got traces of them, and they got coyotes that are being killed that have traces of wolves in them. Oh, yeah, the the, yeah. the koi wolves yeah. is what they're calling them, yeah. And uh, they were saying, like, one of the most fascinating facts is that when they're calling, one, I mean, they're doing tons of stuff when they're, when they're howling at the moons, but one of the things they're doing is taking a census. And if they hear, like, a lot of other coyotes, they'll have, like, a litter of, like, two pups. Right. But yeah. if they're not hearing them, they'll have, like, a litter of, like, 12 pups. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's one of the things, like, they're, um, the girl that lived across the street from me is 
very she went to school for wildlife biology and stuff and that's one of the things she's like you'll never get rid of no them. you can't you can't yeah. like if if, if uh, cockroaches are going to survive the apocalypse so are coyotes right yeah. yeah they're like you know if if it's actually better to keep their numbers up because they self-regulate yeah and it's like if you you know granted yeah they're in suburban areas now and they're fucking killing cats well fucking who cares but <laughs> you know it I don't see, I've never really gotten into coyote hunting. I don't really care. I don't, the only thing I care about is fucking anything that tries to get to my chickens. Sure. Because then I have to go buy more from Huey. (laughs) Which is new order next year, so. (laughs) We've lost, I think, six this year. And one one to a fox, or two to a fox, and then a hawk got one, and a coon got two. The raccoon's been taken care of. The foxes are still very healthy. They live on a fat diet of tabby cats yep. in these parts and uh, chickens. Uh, well, I heard a, I heard a Canadian biologist say, like, do you want to get rid of all of the little wolves to let the big wolves back in? Yeah, yeah. It's like where the coyotes are, the big wolves aren't necessarily, like... Coming in. Coming yeah. in. I mean, fuck, man, there's, there's parts of this country that got way worse shit than a fucking coyote. Oh, it's true. We don't have grizzlies to deal with. We don't have grizzlies. We don't have fucking mountain lions. We don't have fucking cougars. Like, right. I'm good. Like, did you hear about that that runner that got hit by a mountain lion? Yeah, yeah. And he like yeah, killed yeah, it. Yeah, he choked it. To choked death it out. Well, yeah. It, I mean, that was one of those stories that kept getting downgraded. Originally, it was like a half an hour brawl where the guy like fisticuffed it to yeah. death, and then at the end, it was like a sickly juvenile that yeah. he like stepped on. But, yeah. uh... Yeah, I mean, uh, either way, if I fucking kill a fucking mountain lion with my bare hands, I'm, that fucking thing was fucking 190. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And if you question any aspect of it, it's like, you go do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Did you kill one? No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, I, there was, I just actually watched a video. It was, a not in this country, obviously, but it was a um, leopard that was, like, in, like, a house, and the house had a security camera. Jesus. And this fucking leopard is coming up the stairs, and there's a dog sleeping on the front fucking... Yeah, not a great story if you like dogs. Um, (laughs) Which I love dogs, and it was like, I turned it off as soon as the fucking leopard... But, like, he, like, slowly crept up, never woke up the dog, and was, like, on top of the dog, like, sniffing the dog. Oh, And the dog was passed out, and then all of a sudden the fucking thing just attacked. And I was like, all right, I'm done. Fuck this. Fuck this video. Don't kill a dog. Did you watch the new Planet Earth? Yes. Where they do the cities? Yeah. And they got the dudes. It's It's like the three of us smoking a cigarette walking through a park, and they've got the, like, tigers or leopards or whatever, like, two feet away from them. Yeah. And it's just, like, the three of us smoking a cigarette, like, yeah. having a good time. It's just normal. It's like, fuck, no. Yeah, they're like, yeah, enough people, like, keep pigs in their houses in this city that these things just, like, yeah. take out pigs in people's backyards. And it's like, that's like a tiger in a city. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever it is. No, thank remember. you. Like, I don't, uh, I don't need fucking anything like this anywhere near me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, our, big, our biggest predators, like... I'd say, what, black bears are our biggest predators? Yeah. And I don't even really worry about them. I'd worry about, like, a fisher cat more than I'd worry fisher about a... Fisher cats are vicious. Yeah, I'd worry about those yeah. more than a black bear. If you get small animals and shit. For the most part, a black bear is going to eat... If you got blueberries in your yard... Sure. That's the biggest thing you need to be worried about. And, and they're, bear. like, generally yeah. pretty scared. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can just make a big noise and they'll go away. Yeah. Uh, but a fisher cat, they'll attack a person. They'll attack your chickens. They'll attack your cat. They'll Possums are fucking vicious, too. And uh, raccoons are assholes. 
Raccoons are not gonna. Yeah. Uh, remember my friend Brian, Bronski. Yeah. We were at my parents' house one night. They were out of town, and we were going. We were going somewhere, but I had to run to the house real quick. Pulled in the driveway. A raccoon runs across the lawn. Brian pulls out this stick I had, or I had a small baseball bat in between my driver's seat and the console. And he grabs that. He says, "I'm gonna go get that raccoon." I said, "You're that fucking thing's gonna eat you." And he says, "No, nah, I'm gonna get it." So he runs up at it. The thing turns around and jumps at him and like <laughs> claws his neck. Oh, I'm like, dude, you! I told you what the fuck. I mean, his, Don't his go near neck him. is bleeding. I was like, dude, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Rabies. Out. He starts foaming. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. We gotta put you down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, well, I mean, that was I. I got one and a half a heart trap here, and I was going to be nice and try and let it out until I went over to fucking move the cage and the fucking thing. That cage came fucking 10 feet off the fucking ground, yep. I swear to God. And I was like, all right, well, we're going to fucking hook a toe strap to this, and we're going to drag you out to my truck, and I'm going to lift you up by the toe strap, drop you in the back of my truck. And then, like, I finally got it calmed down enough, wearing gloves, got the door open, and then the fucking thing wouldn't leave. And I'm like, would you get the fuck out of my trap? Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. And it, it finally ended up leaving after a while. Like, it, it took him, like, 45 minutes dropping him off eh, about a mile from my parents' house. <laughs> my, when I was years ago, uh, my boss, we were we were standing in front of the Elliott Fire Station, and a car pulls up. She goes, listen, I'm a vet. Somebody hit a raccoon up the road, and it's not dead, and it needs to be put out of its misery. My boss is like, no problem. I'll come up and take care of it. So I go with him. And he's got Chippewa logger boots on. <laughs> and he gets a shovel. So he <laughs> so he walks up to the raccoon. And his back is broken. So it can't move. And it's hissing at him. And he takes the shovel, puts it on his neck. And he just stomps it. And his foot bounced off the skull. And the thing is now pissed. Brutal. <laughs> so Brutal. He ends up curb stopping this fucking thing <laughs> in the middle of the road like it had to do it like four or five times to even start to get to, to die yeah and oh. the lady's just sitting in her car watching and he's like sorry yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that the story starts with what kind of boots the guy's yeah. wearing <laughs> gotta be chipping yeah you well, know, I got a big heel on him yeah. you know? <laughs> I figured it was gonna be a quick you know just stop it we throw the back of the truck and we're out of there and no that thing was I mean that was like a, a helmet no chance of that thing getting CT oh. <laughs> that was uh, it was impressive that's brutal <laughs> and then one quick funny story a guy that used to work at Elliott Small Engine he uh, he comes in one I think it was like a Monday morning or something and of course it's Monday so everybody's not in a good mood he tells me this story and he's like don't tell anybody. I'm like, all right. He's like, I was walking my dog this morning. It was like 4 o'clock in the morning. And he leaves, and he goes, walks his dog, and he gets back, and he notices his cat sitting on the front porch. So he scolds the cat for getting out and picks it up and brings it inside. And he sets it down, and by the time he sets it down, him, the dog, and his actual cat realize that that was not his cat that he picked up and brought in the fucking house. <laughs> So, he looked at it and was like, that's a possum. 
So he opened the door. Oh, it's put, a, wait, he picked up a possum yeah. thinking it was a cat? This is when he needed realized he needed to get eye, the eyeglasses. Yeah, apparently. Uh, yeah. So he like wait, picked it up. I can't believe he picked up the possum that like, he even got to that <laughs> I mean, point. I, I mean, we used to call him Little Timmy. He was, I mean, he's a sh- short guy. And he, I, I was like, I could just see you being an evil villain picking this possum up and carrying it and scolding it and yeah. then carrying it into your house. Picked and then realizing the it was a fucking possum. <laughs> And he's like, but don't tell anybody. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm going to tell everyone. That's like some Mr. Magoo shit. <laughs> and I walked out back. I'm like, hey, guys, listen to what little Timmy did. Wow. <laughs> oh, we got dude. a possum wrestler here. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's my funny rodent stories. Yeah, I just, we just murdered chipmunks. Done that. I've done. Oh, growing that. up, especially. Yep. Ian Brown had a pellet, or it was more James Brown had a pellet gun. Yeah. That Ian and I would use, and there was, like, no chipmunks up on uh, Josiah Norton Road yeah. for, like, a good 10 years. Well, that's what we used to use. I used, I still do it at my parents' house. I used to go out and set <laughs> bait piles. They got, a, they got a big stone wall. Baiting that, for chipmunks. Yeah, they got a big stone wall. That's, I mean, it's fucking huge rocks, and they're big flat rocks, so I'd just put a little bait pile on each little stone, and then I'd just sit at the windows. <laughs> And they come been, up. We did that for hours. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would sit there before kids. I'd sit there on a Saturday for a solid six-hour shift and just blow squirrels and chipmunks just yeah. off the stone wall. And then the neighbors <laughs> used to have a dog that would run amok. And I used to, like, try and dispose of the squirrels properly. And then I started leaving them out by the road so the dogs would take them home with them. It worked fucking flawless. <laughs> <laughs> Neighbors stop leaving their dogs to roam the neighborhood when they come home with trophies every day. <laughs> we, at Elliot Small Engine, before we had our warehouses outside, we used to store all our bird seed inside the building. And there's a lobster place next door. Which sure. That attracts a lot of rats during the summer, and then those rats need some place to go in the winter. So why not a smorgasbord of every bird seed yeah, and bird seed. feed? So there was a year where we were, they never got into the showroom. We were able to contain them to the shop, but they were running rampant. And we stayed late one night, and we all took air rifles and mounted scopes on them with <laughs> flashlights. And we would roll around on creeper seats and shoot underneath the pallets. And total, total ninja snipers. <laughs> it was just we. I bet there was a the next morning, the stink that was coming from that <laughs> shot because of all the dead rats was. It was unreal. We had to pull everything out of the shop, clear all the, oh. and there was still fifty more live rats that we had to expose. It was just, it was bad, and uh, I got pretty good shooting up air rifle at a moving target <laughs> uh, they, they were fast my uh my grandfather was a gunsmith so like most of my guns and my cousin's guns he either built from scratch or yeah. had done something with but any, anywho when he had passed away he had um my uncle and my cousin had taken a part of his shop basically and they found this old air rifle in there just like you know classic like you know pump action air rifle and uh, we show up, it's like funeral time, you know, like we're all out there. And my cousin's like, yo, like, granddad had this air rifle. It's the most accurate gun, like, I've ever shot. Like, let's go play yeah. with this thing. And we were shooting <coughs> primers out of 12-gauge shells. Like, my cousin was cutting them open, so yeah. it was just the em- just empty shell with the primer in it. We were shooting primers out at probably, like, 
25, 30 yards Jesus. with this air rifle. That's awesome. It was insane. And now the kids these days with their air rifles have got gammos that can take down a fucking moose. You know, oh, they have yeah. silencers and 3 by 9 scopes. No, on the them. one that's right around the corner here. Yeah, right oh, there. It's, oh, it's right here. Yeah, I've got one too. Yeah. Let's see here. What are we at here? Look at that bad boy. Oh, yeah. 1420 FPS. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, I've got, like... That's a shotgun. Wait, 14, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going up on this hunting trip this weekend, and I think all the shells I've got are, like, in the 11 to 12 yeah. FPS range. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that thing, that will... Well, I was sighting it in on my chicken coop. <laughs> well, because there's this big, there's working a big, on a moving target. You're like, no. like these, all these damn raccoons and foxes taking yeah. out my chicken. So, anyways, I sighted my gun in on the chicken coop. It was before it was the chicken coop officially, but it it had an old big white thermometer on it. Okay, so it was like a perfect thing to aim at. Nice center hole, and I started shooting it, and I'm like, all right, dialing it in a little bit, and then like I was like, ah, oh, let's go out and look. It was blowing holes right through the fucking siding of my fucking chicken coop. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, you used to be able to shoot a kid with a Daisy Red Rider. You shoot somebody with one of those, they're going to the hospital. To get yeah, yeah. Out yeah. of their leg. Because yeah. I've been shot by a Daisy Red Rider. It stings, but it, it won't maim you too bad. Well, and it's funny because so. those will be the last thing that gets regulated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're the ones that are getting, like, beyond the, uh, like, realm that they really should be at. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, that thing, I can hit a squirrel from, like, fucking 60 yards. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, this is an air rifle. And nobody can hear it either. Yeah. Yeah. Just, well, I learned a lot this evening. Yeah, a lot of beer. This has been fun. Yeah. Beer, Appreciate you stopping by, man. Uh, Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. This is great. Welcome to Mainly Stupid. Always yeah. down to uh, drink beers and get stupid. We've, uh, this is like, we've actually, most of the time it's just us doing dumb shit. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and now we actually learned something and... People the, might learn something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hi, highly doubtful, but, you know, we'll see. Now some guy's going to listen to this, God knows where, you know, the poor soul that's from the Midwest somewhere that happened to stumble upon this podcast is going to walk home, or going to go to the liquor store, buy a bottle of scotch, and tell his wife, honey, this is from this place, yeah, right here. This is not lying. <laughs> yeah. This is the truest label ever. Not only that, it's about to go up in price 30%. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm saving money. I'm stock Sure deal. Did you know Arthur Guinness yeah. was pro-Britain? Yeah. <laughs> now you do. That's right. <laughs> The IRA hated him. <laughs> uh, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not many people were pro-Britain in Ireland. Not many people made it out of Ireland being pro-Britain. I know, say, I not know many people Scottish... pro-Britain, like, ever. In general. Yeah. Like, outside of England. Yeah, they almost have a worse reputation than Americans. Like, I got a lot of family in Scotland still, and when I go over there, it's... I mean, it's, like, comical to me how much they rip on the English. Yeah. Like, you'd think, like, they do, but, like, they do. And it's I, hilarious. I have a customer that is, he's a landscaper, and he's straight off the boat from Scotland. Sure. And Whereabouts, you know? I can't remember what he told me. Um, if you didn't ask me, I wouldn't know. Yeah, it's all um, good. <laughs> but he, uh, <clears throat> so he was, he was in the shop one day, and we were talking back and forth, and one of the other guys is dealing with a lady at the other end of the counter. And I hear her say, 
I just love British accents. And Stephen catches wind of it. He turns his head. He says, I'm not fucking British. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right, all right. Let's go outside before yeah. you fucking murder somebody. Uh, so I now just to rile him up, I'll call him Irish or something like that and to just to wind him up. And yeah. It's always funny. So I got my first tattoo when I was living over there. Yeah. And, you know, it was a Scottish guy. I was in Scotland. And he told me that he had lived in Boston for a while. And I was like, oh, no shit. Like, that's, yeah. you know, like basically like the city around us. He goes, yeah, man, I never in my life have done more four-leaf clover tattoos than when I was <laughs> yeah. living in Boston. And all the time people would say, oh, I can't believe I'm getting a clover tattoo from a real Irish guy. And he's yeah. like, I just never had the heart to tell him that, like, yeah, I'd never just been. Just let him live that, <laughs> just let him, let him live that dream. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, like our buddy from our, that works with Sean, he's, yeah. you know, he's... He's Irish. Are you talking about Sean Diffley? Yeah, 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 definitely. So, yeah, I remember him. Remember when we were at the bar that night and he brought the sea bomb? It was not great. At the bartender? It just, and he, and he oh, was yeah. fresh. We're, ta- we're, we're talking about, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because in Britain, that might as well be like, hi, how's it going? Yeah. Like, you can say yeah. it to your mom and it's cool. Well, and I mean, it was also, it wasn't St. Paddy's Day, but it was close to it. Sure. And we had gotten into a few. And... It was in reference to how he was drinking Guinness. Yeah. As and he walked behind the bar and showed them how to properly. Right. Yeah. It. And that and that well that's what started. Yeah. Was he dropped the seed bomb and was like, "Hey, that's not how that happens." And he's like, "Let me come over there and show you." And like he went behind the. Oh, bar. they just weren't having it. Yeah. At all. Oh, well, I mean, man. it's the local we, place. We diffused it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. But I mean, it's like, just such an accepted word anywhere other than America. Yeah. Yeah, it's really got a bad. It's a great word. I, I use, no. it, I use it very frequently out back in the shop. Yeah. <laughs> it comes flying very it's easily. Heavily locker Conversely, yeah. in Britain and Ireland, fanny means what that word refers to. So they think it's the funniest thing in the world that we have things called fanny packs. <laughs> it's like the funniest thing to them. Like every Brit that I know or Irish person, they will all like – at some point in time in a night of drinking, try to get you to say fanny pack because it's just the funniest thing to them. Huh. Yeah. Learning more stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is just incredible. I can't wait for work tomorrow. I'm going to tell so many facts and fanny packs. And, oh, that's awesome. Fanny packs and whiskey. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. We'll keep you around for that much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. all right. I think that's that's a fucking it's in the evening. That was a heater. It's been yeah. fun. Are we well, still on? We are still on. All right, yeah. cool. We'll probably uh, be back early next week. Another one. Special guest still coming. Mm-hmm. I heard he was listening to us, so I'm not. I wasn't sure if he was still uh, interested. No, I think that's made him more interested. Oh, Jesus first for Ian's sake, uh, my father-in-law's a retired Marine Corps, and he's going to come on. All retired right, Marine uh, Corps. First sergeant. First sergeant. Yeah, not just like. Yeah, he wasn't a. I mean, he wasn't just a private. Private first. Yeah, yeah. He was, sure. He was a drill instructor, EOD. He, he twenty years in Marine Corps, so he's got some pretty badass stories. I don't doubt it. And do some talking about that. I think he's more excited about this than the birth of my wife. It's it. Uh, it almost sounds like that. Nah. But, I mean, this is gonna be a close second. 
Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I can't blame him. It's a great honor. <laughs> I'm very honored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come so. sit in a fucking wooden room. Yeah, right. But, yeah, so. appreciate everyone listening, and uh, thanks to Ian. If you guys are in the area, check out Tributary Brewing. Come have a pint. Yeah, yes. they always got good shit on tap. And uh, What are your hours, just so... Oh, I think we're like 12 to 7, except on Sundays, which is like 12 to 5 or something like that. Go ahead and ask for Ian. Beers on him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I'll try my day. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see you later. <laughs>